0: That is my greatest gift on this planet is because I am present with my boys every single week. Welcome to the Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddie.
1: What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this gentleman. I've been teaming up with uh, Music and Arts for a little bit. Uh, They've been sponsoring and promoting my podcast, which I really appreciate. But in turn, my youngest, she plays the saxophone, really love the fact that uh, the changes I've seen in her and also the benefits of music in our family's life for even both my daughter's um and i love the fact what music and arts is doing and i have a chance to chat with scott lang about fatherhood talking about the impact of music in in kids lives so thank you again for taking the time scott how you doing sir
0: fantastic and i just want to start off by welcoming everyone and introducing myself as possibly the least qualified person to ever come on your podcast when it comes to parenting i hands down i get the trophy everyone else just step into second place cuz i'm on the medal stand owning that award of the least qualified parent. What are you doing interviewing me? Was like a dog not available? Like you couldn't find the homeless person to talk to, but I'm happy to be here. Don't get me wrong, but okay. You're going to get what you're going to get.
1: Well, Scott, I really appreciate that perspective. Cause you're not coming in like, you know, someone who thinks that they're a parenting specialist or an expert. So I love that. So this is, this is going to be great. Before we get into music and your career and, and you, the impact you have seen that music has had not just in your life, your family's life, but also kids that you know, you've know you worked with and you continue to work with. I love chatting about their fatherhood journey. So when you found out you were going to be a dad, sir, what was going through your mind?
0: Like every other parent on the planet,
1: absolute terror. I still
0: have it every day today. You know, the thing is, it's it's imposter syndrome at its finest, to be honest with you. Like I put on the front, this is my favorite line, because I'm your dad. And then I'm thinking in my head, but not a very good one, Right. And every child is different and you parent every child differently. And so I live my life professionally and personally just waiting for the moment to call me out for the fraud that I am. Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I didn't know it 18 years ago when Braden came out. I didn't know it five years later when Evan came out. And I still don't know today. I am making this crap up, Art. I'm not kidding.
1: This is improv comedy at its best. Just take out comedy and put parenting. Nice, <laughs> awesome. All right. So I do think there is going to be a few things that you know about parenting and especially some of the things that you look to instill into them as they were growing up. So what were some of the things that you, you cared about and that you felt like, hey, as my kids are growing up, I kind of want to instill this. Maybe not just a value, but just certain things that you wanted to make sure that you you know, you were talking to them about?
0: You know, we're all a reflection of the parents who raised us in some way, shape, or form, another. And one day I woke up eight years ago, looked in the mirror, and went, oh, my God, I'm my dad. You know, we all have that moment, right? My father was a Marine drill sergeant, and he raised us that way. And it was his way or the highway, and you worked from dusk till dawn. And I think when I look at my own children, for better or worse, I haven't determined that yet. That those are the characteristics that I really stay on top of my kids about are you work from dusk till dawn and you do it the right way or you don't do it at all. And again, the jury's out on whether I've succeeded in teaching that lesson. But those are the things that I keep coming back to that I look back and it's what my father kept coming back to me. And the other thing, you know, I look back at my father and as any child who was raised by a Marine drill sergeant, you have a love hate relationship. But the one thing he always was was present. And I try and be present with my kids. And sometimes they don't want me to be present. They don't think my presence is a present. They really don't. But, you know, I, the thing I take most pride of, and I, I've had a, a good life as a person, I've had a great career in my profession. But the thing I take most pride of, you ready for this? All right, got to blow your mind. Ready? I've coached 1,100 flag football games with my two boys. I started my youngest. i when he was in kindergarten. And I kept the same eight kids together for 13 years, they graduated this year. Some of them are going to D1 scholarships, but they still call me Coach Scott and say, when's our next game coach? And then my youngest son, I started seven years ago and we play year round and I've had the same eight kids for seven years. And that is my greatest gift on this planet is because I am present with my boys every single week, at least for two practices in a game. And the fact that they stay with me says that we've built something special relationship. And I kid you not, you're going to see guys on the field this fall in D1 schools who will still call me on Sunday and say, hey, Coach Scott. So being present, I think. And whatever way that is, for some, it's mealtime. For some, it's cooking. For some, it's braiding hair, as I wouldn't know because I have two boys. Or going to the movies, but finding that space and place where you can be present for both kids.
1: Love that. And also, too, got to say... Kudos to you, because I, you know, I've taught, I've coached my daughters in different, uh, whether it's basketball, softball, T-ball, whatever. And it's funny, like I've I've noticed, you probably know this too, like your kids, if you have like an assistant coach or like a co, you know, co-captain coach with you as well. They'll tend to listen to them sometimes more, but the fact that your 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 sons want to stay with you and be like, yeah, keep on being our coach, that speaks volumes, man.
0: <laughs> it's so awesome, like because I keep this one day when last year when they were juniors they did, again, twelve years together. I handed out a stat sheet, and it's something like eleven thousand touchdowns, you know, seventeen thousand four hundred eighty-two yards. But then I wrote five hundred forty-two motivational speeches. 15 bad calls by referees, zero ejections from games. Um, but, you know, that it's about that journey. It's not about a win-loss record. And I, I don't want to regurgitate what every parent would say, but that's a place and a space where I found I could be present with my kids and show them that I love them. And my for my father, it was coaching me. He coached every team I was on, whether he knew the sport or not. He learned soccer so I would have him as a coach. And I just swore that my kids would never be coached by someone else. They would always be coached by me.
1: Nice, love it. For this interview, you and I were kind of getting to know each other a little bit more. And one of the things you shared with me was that it's easy for you to bond with your youngest over your oldest. There's a lot of things that you share in common with your youngest. You guys can hang out and bond as opposed to your uh, oldest. So talk to me a little bit about how you parent to that and how you make sure that you're there communicating. Because, like you said, like being there as a coach, Having games, having practice together is a great way to communicate and bond with your kids. But sometimes if, if you find something where maybe you guys aren't connecting and, you know, like, I don't know what he's really into, but let me try to find out. Talk to me about something that your kids have taught you about making sure that you learn how to get to what they're interested in to spark, uh, you know, a great uh, connection in your relationship with them. Let's be
0: clear, uh, looking looking at your screen, and your your listeners probably can't see your screen, but looking at your screen in the backdrop, you should be my older son's father. Because <laughs> everything that's in the background behind you, the little caricatures, the the Star Wars, the lightsabers, the Mortal Kombat, like that is his room. You might be in my son's bedroom right now. And I know that sounds creepy, and it is very creepy. Don't get me a little wrong. Bit,
1: a little bit, yeah.
0: You are, you are the adult version of my son. And <laughs> That's just not my world. I don't understand sci-fi. I'm not into Star Wars. I don't understand why I call them dolls. He calls them collectibles. Um, you know, We're just so very different than that, than each other. And so my younger son is way into sports and we could sit and talk stats till three in the morning and it's effortless. My older son, he and I don't like anything that's similar. He doesn't like sports. I love sports. He likes collectibles. I don't like collectibles. He loves horror movies. And I, for the life of me, don't understand why you would pay someone to scare the living daylights out of you. That makes zero sense to me. I, I, I run from fear. I don't pay for it. That, I, so what I found, though, is, is that I'm not going to be able to fake that I like what he likes. To me, that's disingenuous. Hmm. I, I really believe that. And I'm not going to pretend to like horror movies. I'm not going to pretend to understand collectibles. But what I am going to do is show him that I love him for who he is. And that just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I love him any less or any differently than my younger son. It's just an appreciation that he's a different human being than I am. And I try my hardest. And I don't succeed all the time. But to support him and all of those things, and so when Comic Con comes to town, I go. He knows I don't get it. He knows I don't like it, but he knows I love him. And when he comes down at three in the morning with the latest factoid that he got from, uh, you know, wh- whatever Mister B- Mister what's the guy's name on the internet that that gives away billions of dollars, Mister Mister Mr. Mr. whatever. I sit and listen, and and I try and tell him. I listen not because I'm interested in Mr. Beast, I'm, I listen because I'm interested in you. But I think for me, like the greatest epiphany happened probably about a year and a half ago, when I realized, oh my God, we're the same person. We just nerd out on different things. Like he loves what he loves and I love band. I love music. I love all things about it. And he thinks he thinks I'm as dorky for what I love as I think he is for what he loves. But we both know that we love each other. We just love different things.
1: That's amazing, Scott. Yeah, like my youngest, you you mentioned a couple of things. There's some parallels. Like my youngest and I, we watch football together. We uh, went to like for her Christmas last year. I got her tickets because she's a Bruins fan, and we're here in North Carolina, so I got her tickets to a Bruins Carolina Hurricanes game. So, and then my oldest, we'll bond over movies, or we'll write. She writes columns on my on my website as well. Like we do a dad. And daughter kind of like reflecting on pop culture and stuff so yeah it, it, you just kind of find the ways and even if you like and i love the fact that you're like so transparent with your oldest be like i don't get the collectibles trust me like you said i do i totally understand the different things and going to comic cons are great but just the idea of you making sure like hey i'm here for you you know i'm here to listen to your interests i love that uh and well, i, I want to, to be clear like to, to get through to that I had to get, you know, to
0: me, and this only works for me, and every parent's different, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But I had to be willing to admit to him, I don't like what you like. Because the easy parenting tip is, well, pretend you're interested, learn more about it, be a good supporter. No, he'll see right through that. He knows, he's nine, He's well, he's 18, just turned 18 last week, he's 18 years old. He's gonna spot me as the poser that I am. Just like if he sat down and said, dad, tell me all about band. I'm like, are you on drugs? What do you mean? You don't care about band. What? What do you want? Money? Is that what you're trying to do? You want money, don't you? Like, so being honest enough to saying, I don't love what you love, but I love you, and that's
1: enough. Yeah. Nice. Dad hack or piece of advice to new dads or just parents in general? What would you give them?
0: Oh, great question. Because I've got this one ready to go. You ready? Yes.
1: When the sun came,
0: my first son came out. And my wife was beside herself in tears. And I, it's, I love it. I would die today for it. And I, I'll be honest with you. I faked it. Like, I was like, okay, I, I love you. It's a baby. And that's great. And, and it took me a long time to realize that, number one, parents love differently.
1: Hmm.
0: Number two, and this is a big one for any new parent out there. Mom had nine months head start. The fact that that baby was growing in her belly created a connection that started at the day of conception. And the moment it comes out for the rest of my life, I will be nine months behind my wife and understanding my children and, and understanding how I can better relate and love them. And I always, when I talk to new fathers, they're like, oh my God, thank God you said that because I didn't, I didn't feel, or not every parent, but I didn't feel that way like coming off the, the birth, or I didn't feel that way at the first step, or I didn't. You're going to grow to love your kid in your own space, in your own time, in your own way, and always know that you're behind him. For me, like, of course, I loved my children. But God, when they hit toddler status, that, that's my jam, baby. Get out of my way. It's go time with dad. And my wife didn't have that experience a toddler. She loved them yeah. the same at birth as she did to toddler, And I was like, no, man, this they can walk, they can talk. Let's go. I can yeah. take them places. I can make fun of people. Let's go, right? So I, I tell people that give yourself the space and the grace to find your time and way to love your child. And just because it's not the same. You know, my wife is, i love, you ever watch the Goldbergs, Art? Yes. My wife is Beverly Goldberg. I swear to God, like, and and I, in some ways, I'm the husband. She's like, oh, when you, my son, when you went to college, I'm going to build a shrine. I'm like, I'm going to renovate that room five minutes after you're gone, kid. Like, it, it, are you gone yet? Come on. It's almost August. She need to be packing. Tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, he knows I love him. But like, our, our love language is sarcasm. My two boys and I are, they walk in the door and they're like, what's up, nerd? I'm like, listen, short stuff. You just pack your bags. And my son's like, yes, talk to the hand. You disappoint me, right? that That's our love language. But my wife doesn't love that way. She doesn't understand that. She doesn't understand the punch off. She thinks it's, you know, child abuse. We think it's hilarious. Who's going to flinch first? So yeah. give yourself the space and the and the grace. Space and grace to find your pathway to love your child in your way.
1: Space and grace. Awesome line right there. I love that. And, and, and the idea, and again, appreciate your honesty about when the baby came out, there's been dads on my show that's talked about that. And it's just the idea of like, how can I love something that instantly right away when I don't have a connection to it? And, and, and again, like you, I love the fact that, you know, I think kids can spot out if someone's going to be fake or not genuine. And I think the fact that you are, you know, you with your kids from day one, be like, not going to be that way. I'm going to be honest with you. And I think honesty now, more than ever, and especially, especially such a digital age where kids can get information at the drop of a hat, being honest with them and, and sharing things with them is so is so necessary. So I love that. Now, as we kind of go into, you know, music and arts and the, and the great things you're doing with them and just obviously with your career and band and all that, you know, it, it's funny. Like when you get the stereotype, like, Oh, you're a nerd. You were saying that like, Oh, you know, my son will call me a nerd and all that. I played the trumpet when I was in middle school back in the day, but never really found a passion to it until I found other things in life and music in college I started like DJing and stuff like that. And I, and I had a love for music that way. And, um, but you know, with my daughters, my oldest, she's a singer. She's been in uh, different musicals and and, uh, plays for her high school. My youngest, she was like, Hey, I want to play saxophone. So for two years now, she's been doing it. We found music and arts. It's been such a great way to help us make that connection to the bridge. My wife played piano and played different things as well. So we understood the idea of music and playing an instrument, but the fact that music and arts, almost like hold your hand, right? Holds your hand and like this is what you need, this is how you do things. I love what they're doing. And I love the fact that the impact that singing and obviously the saxophone has on my youngest and singing for my oldest. But talk to me about the great work you guys are doing over at Music Arts Together and the value you see that music has in a kid's life. Listen, you know, obviously
0: I've got a skewed perspective. You know, it's like yes <laughs> <laughs> if he likes and basketball, And the answer is only if he's betting on it. Here's the thing you have to understand. You know, people think about music as oh, melodies and harmonies and, and, and rhythm and pitch and all those great things. And that's fantastic. And, and frankly, I don't care about any of that. Now, when I was a high school band director, I was a high school band director for 16 years. When I was fire and brimstone, I was excellence, attainment, destination, let's go, commitment. I and, and I was in it to win it. And then I had a kid hit high school. And I don't care about any of that anymore. Is my kid on meth? No, okay, we're good. I don't care how good the band is, don't care. Here's the thing: most people think music is about music and it's not. The thing is I'm gonna gonna just lay it down which is I have yet to find, I have yet to find anything in life that music doesn't make better. If you're involved in music until you graduate high school, if you're involved in music, you're ready art, here we go. The journey starts. If you're involved in music, you stay until you graduate. You have the highest graduation rate of any group on campus. You have the lowest dropout rate of any group on campus. If you're involved in music until you graduate high school, you have the highest average SAT score and lowest average lowest non-SAT score. Your, your SAT score goes up by 47 points on the verbal portion, 57 points on the math portion. Your ACT score goes up 14 percent if you're involved in music. If you're involved in music, you have the lowest teen depressive rate. You have the lowest suicide rate. If you're involved in music, you have the highest college graduation rate. You have the I'm sorry, highest college application rate and the highest college graduation rate. If you're involved in music. If you're involved in music and stay until your graduate, you have a 92% greater chance of getting a bachelor's degree, 63% greater chance of getting a master's degree, 32% greater chance of getting a doctorate degree. You know what the doctorate degree rate in this country is? It's less than 7% unless you're involved in music. The fact is, music makes everything better here at the end, and anybody who doesn't understand that is either uneducated or they're lying to you, period. Music, period, makes everything better. Language acquisition rate. Music makes it better. Teenage angst. Music makes it better. Uh, um, um, Alzheimer's memory retention. Music makes it better. I didn't say music solved every problem, but what I am telling you is that music makes everything better. And it's not the what we do. It's not the B flats and the F sharps and the fortes and the stepping off. It's the how we do it. We involve every child, period. Your special needs, come on, we got you. Never played before, come on, we got you. You're monolingual, non-speaking, English-speaking, we got you. Never march for it, come on. We we take every child and we put them in an environment and a culture for four years that is nurturing, loving, sets high standards, and accounts for the highest of the highs. Folks who are heading off to Juilliard and the lowest of the low, people who are just there to make a friend. The bottom line is, I told my children, and my son came to me in the eighth grade, we have a rule, you're to my house, you're going to be in band he gave me an eighth grade, and he was pretty full of himself. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to do bam. I said, yeah, you are. He said, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, you are. And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, yeah, he goes, you can't make me do something I don't want to do. And I said, oh, my God, you are sorely confused about how this house operates, young man. Here's the way this game's played. I am your father. I say, you do. We are done. And he said, started crying. You see the, the, the drill sergeant coming out in me now, don't okay. you? Yep. He says, well, why would you make me do something I don't want to do? I said, the same reason I make you do everything. Because I love you.
1: Yeah.
0: Music is my best shot of getting you out of high school surrounded by good kids. Music is my best shot of getting you in a high academic performing environment. Music is my best shot of filling your Friday nights with laughter and joy. Music is my best shot of keeping you off drugs and alcohol. Music is my best shot of raising you to be a young man. So you're going to do music. Period. You know, and this kid who is a C student, C student, fought me tooth and nail, went on to high school. I required him to do band. Nothing else changed, nothing. Same kid, he graduated six weeks ago. He's got a full ride to NAU University with a straight A average. And it was because of band. And it's not the B-flats and the F-sharps, it's that I put them in a culture where standards matter. I surrounded him and put him in an environment where other high academic achieving kids are happening. I put him in an environment which is nurturing by a, K, a, a caring adult for four years. So my wife said to me, and, and, and pardon me if I've skewed off straight, we were at, at camp one year and we just got married at 35, because you know I, I was a band nerd and you don't get married any earlier because you're a band nerd. And that's another story. I was on Love Connection, that's how we met. We'll talk about that on a different podcast. So two and two. Chuck Willie and I were like BFs. Anyway, we're at camp, and on day three, my wife said, "I would. Get, I'm so jealous of you." I said, "Why?" Well, she said, "No, she's a teacher. She said every teacher loves and wants to influence a child." And she said, "I used to think I did until I saw this." They stand when you say stand. They sit when you say sit. They show up when you tell them to show up. You say seven o'clock, they synchronize their watches. You see them before school. You see before school even start through camp. You see them more than I see in the first semester. You see more by the second week of school than I see in the entire year. You get them before school, during school, after school, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, all day. Sunday. You get them for four years. You get them year round. You're a parent to these children. You say jump, and they say how high, where? That's the culture that breeds excellence. And I'm a huge sports fan. I love it. Love sports. Love them. Not good at sports at all. But you can't tell this. And it's probably impossible for you to tell. I am not on steroids right now. This is the natural me. And you. And I love sports. But people say, oh, yeah, it's about excellence. It's about commitment. It's about dedication. It's about DNA. Let's be clear. In today's day and age, my son, who hasn't been through puberty, my younger one, didn't make the junior high football team because there were 78 kids that went out for it. And he hasn't gone through puberty yet. So he got cut. Jerry Rice's kid's on my kid's team. Brian Erlacher's son's on my son's junior high team. They're six foot four. They could beat me up. You're the high school basketball team. I'm five foot five. Do you think I'm going to make that team art? Then yeah. it's about genetics. It's the same culture of excellence, but it is not, and it's not designed to be all inclusive. Music creates that same culture of excellence for four years, and it's all inclusive. And I said, You are, I want to redesign the education system because it's in crisis. Yay. If I told you I got an idea that puts the academic with the athletic, it puts the artistic with the aesthetic. It takes the individual and puts them in a group ensemble and combines the parent, the kid, and the teacher into learning collaborative. Would you be in favor of that? Yes. It's called music. That's the thing. Music for music's sake is an incredibly artistic and wonderful endeavor, but music for children's sake is an, undeniable, irrefutable fact that music makes kids better. Music makes schools better. And I don't understand for the life of me. If you believe in, you know, I, I sit with the like, do you believe in Darwin? And I'm like, well, of course, we believe in science. Well, then you believe in survival of the species. Survival of the species. If it survives, it means anything. Music's been around since before the spoken word and still exists today. So if you believe in Darwinism, you believe, if you believe in math, oh, of course, STEM, the arts, then you believe in music because every data point that we know that says music gets outperformed every other subsect of the school community. And to be clear, when you look at situations, tragedies, events, look in recent memories, of things that have gone wrong, students that have made poor choices. You know what they all have in common? They weren't in music. And for every person who stands in front of me and says, we've got to fix the broken schools, look at what's not working. Well, let's start with what is. Yeah. You never hear about the band kid knocking over a circle. Hey. Yeah. You know why? Because their time is accounted for, standards are held, and there's a loving, nurturing, caring adult Overseeing their development. Period. Music is not about the what we do, it's about the how we do it. And it's accessible to every single child.
1: Man, I wish you were passionate about this. <laughs> I know, I'm thinking
0: about drinking some coffee later. I'm just having to decide if I'm going to get amped up for the day or not. It's, you know, it's 50 50.
1: <laughs> no, I, again, wow. Like, there's a lot to take in, and I hope my audience just even just rewinds, because you, you know, rewinds the part when we we're talking about the music and the importance of it, because I agree with you. I, all right, let me be, throw this at you.
0: and yeah. You don't have to just take over the podcast. Do you? Good. Excellent. Good. So here's the thing. Here's the thing I always tell people. We, and like my, so all my, all my football players yeah my district requires music, fifth, sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade. And I coach them all at the end of sixth grade. I say, how many of you guys do music? And my son was the only hand that went up. I said, why am I not doing music? And we all said the same thing. Well, I tried it. I'm not very good at it. And how always say, well, of course you're not. It's been two years. No one ever says, God, I tried Mandarin for six weeks. I'm not very good at it. I'm going to stop. You know, the thing is, we do in this profession, in my profession, Scotland, music and arts, What we do, we do a horrific job of educating people of the, the depth of the, the, the scope. You're not going to be good after two years. You're going to be good after four. And after four, if you come to me and say, I'm not good at it, I don't enjoy it, then you can quit. But no one is good after two years. And we're so horrifically bad at saying, of course you're bad. You're developmentally in the fifth grade. You're a boy, so emotionally you're in the third grade. You can barely tie your shoes and you think you're going to play Rachmaninoff? No, you're supposed to be bad at this. You didn't didn't score a touchdown on your first play with a bomb. You fumbled the hand off the first seven times in kindergarten. And the thing I always tell people is you have to have the courage to say no. And, you know, when my son came, and he did, he's like, Dad, I'm going to quit. No. I won't let you quit brushing your teeth. I won't let you quit going to school. I won't let you quit taking a bath or eating your vegetables. Why? Because... I know categorically that all those things make you better. So I'm gonna be the parent and I'm gonna make you do the things you don't wanna do. And I actually, his first day of being in fourth grade, I wrote a note and I put it in his case, and it, a letter to my son. And it basically said, I'm, I'm glad you're excited. You're gonna hate me one day and that's okay. It's not your mother, it's me. You are going to hate me. And then one day you're gonna love me. And it was his eighth grade year when he came to me and he said, dad, I'm, I'm going out. He goes, dad, print this out for me. And I'm like, ooh. What is it? He goes, oh, it's just a piece of music I want to learn. Printed it out, came home. His my babysat me and said, he sat all night at that piano and learned it. And I looked at him. I said, gotcha. He's like, what do you mean? I go, you like music now, don't you? Yeah. It took me six years. But I got him to a point now, he plays piano better than I do. But I had to fight him for six years because I knew that I'm an adult and my job's to do what's right for him even if it's difficult, even if he hates me for it. If I have to drag him out of a party where there's alcohol, he can hate me for it, I'm going to do it. If I'm going to pull him out of the street because a car's coming, he can hate me for it, but I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah.
0: And so music takes time, people. And it will, you've never heard someone go, God, music, that ruined my life. Jesus, I was going to be a Fortune 500 CEO, but then I took clarinet, and now I'm a homeless person, no. It's just, do we have the tenacity and the temerity to tell our kids, no, we're going to have this battle for a little while, and you're going to thank me later.
1: Another point that I wanted to bring up, and I appreciate you sharing that, because we see, you know, some of the tropes I see sometimes on television where people think it's life reflecting art and art reflecting life back and forth. You know, you see a kid a sitcom or a movie learning an instrument and everyone's like, Oh, they put their, you know, headphones on or they go for a walk. Cause it's like the fact you said, it's going to take time. And, and once, I mean, I bet you see this all the time and I'm kind of getting goosebumps just when, like when I see my oldest sing in a musical or I see my youngest learn a song or whether she's just playing on saxophone or actually she's, like you're talking about the piano, we have a keyboard and she learns like different songs just by listening to it and playing on that. The, the pride you feel as a parent, but the, in their face of when they learn something, but it's just, I'm I'm so glad you talked about like, it's going to take time and the the football analogy, like you didn't throw a bomb right off the, you know, a bomb, like an 80 yard bomb touchdown pass because when you first started, no, it does take time. And, and especially in a society where, you know, like I said, mentioned earlier, we can get information at the drop of a hat or we can download a movie right away. There's no be kind rewind. It's all about instant, instant, instant. I just think that I hope parents, if they're thinking about having their children or their parent, if their child says something about like, I want to get an instrument. Yeah. There's going to be some growing pains in the house where they're going to play some music and you're like, Oh my gosh, what do we sign up for? But that moment when they learn a song or they perform, I remember my, I was so proud of my youngest when she performed at a minor league baseball game, the national anthem with a couple of other different schools, but it was just like, I'm proud of her doing this. Like she stepped out of her comfort zone and was able to do that. So the fact that you mentioned, it's going to take time, not only for the the child, but the family needs to know like it's not going to be like you're going. You're not going to hear something on smooth jazz radio right, out, right off the bat when they start an instrument. So I, I think that's amazing. So th- thank you're you awesome. for sharing that. You're welcome. And you know the
0: way to think about it is some of the worst sounds are the most important because they start the journey. Nobody likes to hear a baby cry, but that's the journey to learning how to speak. You know, and so the thing is, you know, when I talk, we my son had his senior recital a couple weeks ago after 11 years of piano. And all our friends and neighbors are there. And I said, before he plays, I want to explain something to you because none of them are musicians. I said, what he's about to do is read four different lines of English. So he's literally reading four lines simultaneously. Each one is a different clef, which means it's a different language simultaneously while he's working independently 10 different fingers and his two feet. I said, for those of you who've never studied music, you have no idea what he's about to do, because it is so far above your comprehension level that a human being can do that in real time. But that's what he's learned through this process. The ability to process that amount of information instantly, every measure, every four ounce. It's mind-blowing. And that's what will make him a better human being the rest of his life, whether he he plays the piano or not.
1: Yeah. No, no doubt. And I, I think, I mean, a lot of the questions I had about the importance of music and how parents can encourage, I mean, you nailed right off the bat. And then also too, like I, I love the passion you had. I know I was kind of joking earlier, about like, Oh, I wish you showed some passion, but just the idea of the uh, the many effects that music has um, before we kind of finish off with the fatherhood quick five, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to talk to my audience about the importance of music or just, the relationship between kids and parents when it comes to learning an instrument or just the encouragement that parents should have?
0: So first of all, again, every piece of data point, we know states if a child's involved in music, their life's going to be better. And I'm not talking about this, about academically I'm talking about social, emotional wellness. I'm talking about personal health. I'm talking about happiness. So that is above all, and especially post pandemic, it trumps all academic performance, social, emotional, wellness, and happiness. But so my wife and I, the reason we scheduled this day, we just got back from a um, from a long trip. And at the end of that trip, we visited, I think, 11 cities in 14 days. It was, re- it was stupid. It was ridiculous. I said, my God, what an amazing vacation. My wife looked at me and said, that was not a vacation. That was a trip. A vacation is about a destination. A trip is about an experience. And keeping your child in music is a trip. It's not relaxing. It's not about hearing fantastic sounds. It's not about all happiness. It's about getting through a journey together and at the end knowing that we experienced something that is unlike anything else in our public school system today. And we did it together. And so have the courage and the temerity and the tenacity when they say, I wanna quit, think of it like brushing your teeth and say, no. Because I said
1: so. So oh, good. Thank you very much for sharing that, Scott. I hope a lot of people take what you you know, you know said and the passion you have and they translate it into their home. Because again, like you're no, this is a dad joke, I guess, or a dad pun, but like you're speaking to the choir here. Like I, I understand and I see my wife and I see the influence music has had in a, in a great way with their grades, with their social aspect, with them learning different things and them trying to like, you know, like, oh, we want like the creativeness that my daughters have. And it's just amazing. I think part of that is comes from their love of music and whether they're singing or playing an instrument. It's it's amazing. So thank you very much for sharing that. Father. Quick Five, favorite family movie. Do you guys have one? Oh, okay. you know, the thing is, uh, my
0: family, including myself, can't imagine where they get it from. Suffers from ADD. Um, and our divergence in movies, my son wants to watch a slasher movie and I want to watch a rom-com. We are more TV, so I'm going to answer that question with um, uh, Ted Lasso, The Goldbergs, and Modern Family. Those are our three that we just, everything stops and the family sits down together for 45 minutes.
1: Uh, yeah, we just finished season three of Lasso, and that is so, you know, especially you are talking about sports and the different analogies and the different things that people might say that's cliche, but I felt like that show actually put the cliches to such good use. So I love it. Um, was there an album or a band that you couldn't wait to introduce your, your sons to when they got to a certain age to appreciate it?
0: You know, I, for me, it was Billy Joel. Um, and my sons kind of took to it, but just the other night, I gotta tell you, um, just the other night, my we were sitting in the backyard and we did a playlist jam and we were listening to each other's playlists. And my son, my 18 year old son introduced me to panic at the disco And Johnny Cash was on his playlist. And I felt kind of proud that my kid liked Johnny Cash, but he did turn me on to,
1: I'm now a Panic at the Disco fan. (laughs) That is awesome. Describe the perfect family vacation, not trip, but family vacation. Where would it be?
0: Well, it's 119 in Phoenix today. So anywhere other than the face of the sun. (laughs) I may pass away at the end of this episode. You could put a little in
1: memoriam, Scott Lang. Died of please, please don't, man. We need you here for the, the passion you have with music. It's and... 119 today. So, yeah. Hopefully you're not practicing flag football today. If you are, maybe. Uh,
0: no, 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 no. We'll be practicing indoor air conditioning today.
1: <laughs> awesome. First this al- is film study day. Let's call it film study day. There you go. Nice. First album you purchased was? Rush, Moving Pictures. Awesome. Awesome. And lastly, top three yeah, words
0: yeah, greatest drummer. I don't know why people um uh, you know like Ringo Starr, Charlie Watts. I a monkey could do a better job of keeping time, but Neil Pert and Rush, the greatest rock drummer of all time.
1: It, it, it's funny when I started working a, I I love rap, hip hop, growing up in the eighties and nineties and all that, and dance music. But then when I worked at a classic rock station, I had so much respect for. That type of music and you know, especially with Rush and learning more about the bands, because you have to you gotta kind of know your craft if you're gonna be talking about these people, right? On a morning show. So yeah, it, it's great to see that. Um, love it. Uh last last one is top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be?
0: Present would be number one, protective would be number two. No matter where you go on this planet, if you're ever in trouble, I will come to you. Mm. And unadulterated and his love for
1: number three nice great to three words right there people make sure you go to music and arts go to musicandarts.com for more information on the great programs they have and also you can see the passion this this gentleman has go to scottlang.net to learn more about uh, his journey and everything that he's doing scott this was such an honor to chat with you man I, like i said i love the passion you have i wish you and your family continued success and again thank you for the time
0: you as well. The journey was online, and I appreciate the time that you uh, and talent that you shared with me. Good luck to all of you're doing and all of your listeners. Thank you.
1: Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, and also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, The Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to Artoffatherhood.net, and please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because i will greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to Artoffatherhood.net.